Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Thrown Up Bricks podcast, episode 12 now? Oh my god, uh, we're really hitting it. Um, we're still here, we're still awesome, I'm Jared, and that is Jake. The Cookie Monster has an official real name, and it's Sid. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Sid the Cookie Monster. That's the word on the street, at least. That feels wrong. Ew. That's why I don't call him Sid. That's like that's like uh, you don't call LeBron James by his full name. You just call him LeBron. It sounds kind of weird. yeah. I mean, when I think of Sid, what I think of is the kid on Hey Arnold. Honestly, I don't know if is that the kid with the hair. Show. It's the kid with the giant nose and the hat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Wow, it's a couple nineties <laughs> references for you. Yeah, in retrospect, is that a white person stereotype? Probably. I don't think okay. I think white people can be made fun of with reckless abandon. There's nobody really gets offended when you make fun of white people. <laughs> That's true. They're free. Range. Just you can draw giant noses. It's all good. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> as long as you don't make them call them Jewish, then you're fine. Just white people. <laughs> you have to be yeah. specific. All right, let's move on. <laughs> that was a weird <laughs> tangent from Hey Arnold. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. So we're we're coming to you on a. Uh, Tuesday night is it? Nine, mm-hmm. nine o'clock p.m. right after the Lakers game, and I am super disappointed and sad. But don't worry, we'll talk about all that sadness and disappointment before we get to that, though. Before we get bogged down in the housekeeping, sadness. housekeeping. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you want to reach out to us, you always can by email. The, really the only thing we have right now i know we should probably work on other social media but i'm not super savvy with that stuff so um you can reach out right now via email at throwing up bricks jj at gmail.com one more time that is throwing up bricks jj at gmail.com it's the pod name with the jj at the end no spaces no capitals no periods no ampersands no and signs isn't that an ampersand whatever it's the same thing uh but none of those just the pod name of the jj your mom's an ampersand. And as That's usual. That's your mom too. Okay. Well, <laughs> as usual, we're available on Podbean, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Podcasts, whatever. You know, you know, Spotify, all the good stuff. Yep. All those good stuff. Yeah. I don't have anything else to say. This intro is weird. We're weird. Uh, let's just get into the basketball and so we can cry a little bit. Get it all get out. Cathartic. Get a boo-hoo, get a boo. I suppose. <laughs> get a boo-hoo. I'm so sad. All right, so let's talk Lakers. Um, All right, so here's the facts. The Lakers lost, and we suck. The end. Um, anything else to say? No? I don't know if you could say suck. It's just, look, it's going to be sucky. tough to win when you are the lowest scoring team in the bubble. Yeah, so the Lakers lost 93 to 100. Playing against potentially the worst defensive team. Yeah. The wor- you're right, 100%. The worst defensive team probably out of all the playoff teams, except maybe the Nets. We'll talk about that. Um, and the Lakers couldn't muster more than 93 points. I mean, granted, we held the Blazers, who have been scoring like 130 on average to 100 points, but, I mean, come on. We can't muster more than 93? Oh, my God. I And the, the problem is just we can't hit a shot, man. Like, the Lakers couldn't hit a three-pointer mm-hmm. if their lives depended on it. Uh, the real crime, I think, is Deion Wayers playing only one minute while Danny Green played 24 and uh, broke the rim 
with all the bricks he was throwing up. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, I didn't want to announce this, but I guess I probably should in light of this. He's the, uh, the next guest host on our, our podcast here. I mean, he throws up way more bricks than we do. So he, he'll probably know all about, Jeez, I cannot believe that, man. It's just so frustrating. Like, uh, I know I said, or I was on record as saying like, I didn't really think this counted as an NBA championship. Uh, like I thought it counted more as like a, it's a bubble championship. It's its own thing. Right. Um, and I know you disagreed and blah, blah, blah. But now in light of this game, I kind of want it to count, you know, just despite the Lakers because they have disappointed me and I am angry and sad. We won't delve into that, but I, the more I watch, the more I think it does count. Everyone's on equal ground. Uh, there's no travel between home and away. I think it counts. But anyways, the thing I want to talk about, about the Blazers, is when will Damian Lillard cool down? Never. He's just going to be perpetually on fire now. Like he's, he's I, on fire. I squinted a little bit during parts of this game uh, in the second half, and I thought I was watching Steph Curry. Uh, in those moments where he pulls up off the dribble from deep, it, it looks just like Steph Curry. Yeah, Logan Lillard was in full action tonight. I mean, that as soon as that man stepped ha- past half court, you thought it was possible he was going to let it fly. Like, it's insane. And, and CJ, man, like, with with every passing day, I'm getting more and more impressed by CJ. Like, broken back CJ out here just assassinating teams left and right. I don't know. Some of the moves he pulls out of his bag of tricks are just insane. Like, he's so smooth. When he gets in the lane, he just pulls up for a silky smooth jumper over someone. It's it's mm-hmm. nasty, man. And it makes me so envious because we have nobody on our team like that. In comparison to the Blazers, our team is a bunch of brutes that can't shoot. Like they're a bunch of football players that don't know how to shoot. And then they just like bowl their way inside and chuck up shots and then try and get the rebound. Like that that's what we look like in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the sad thing is CJ struggled, you know, most of the game and we couldn't capitalize. We couldn't build a lead at any point. I mean, I don't know. The offense is 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 becoming a real issue. You can't have Anthony Davis shooting, you know, uh, I think he went 9 for 20. No, that was LeBron. He went 8 for 24. Now, now, tell, now tell me this. In the 90s, 80s, or early 2000s, do you think any star big men ever went 8 and 24 in a playoff game? No, absolutely not. And, it, I mean... AD only he took five threes, just but even if you wipe those five threes off the board, right? Mm-hmm. That's eight of nineteen, which is still not great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know what else to say. I mean, not one person on our team except for Marcus Morris shot better than what is two for eight? I don't know what two for eight is. Thirty percent, probably. Uh, no, it's twenty five percent. I'm dumb. Okay. <laughs> I can't do math when I'm under when I'm stressed here. Um, but yeah, not one person on our team other than Marcus Morris shot better than twenty five percent from three in this game. That's just the it's the saddest thing I've ever heard. We it's shot fifteen fifteen percent as a team from three. Fifteen. That's not a number. Like that that doesn't exist in basketball. You shouldn't be shooting fifteen from anywhere. You should be shooting better than fifteen percent on full court shots. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I. I'm almost hoping we get swept out of this. The Blazers just put us out of our misery. Because, I mean, I'm a Laker fan, but it's sometimes it's hard to watch basketball when you're a fan of a certain team and they play an ugly style of basketball, right? Because that's basically what yeah. we do right now. We play like really ugly, slow it down, brutish, 
basically if LeBron doesn't make something happen, our play just looks like just looks horrible. It looks like a bunch it's, of guys that don't really know what to do. They're kind of just standing around confused. It's it's hard to be a team in this modern age that can't shoot threes. Yeah. It's just it's impossible to win. You have to be able to hit thirty plus percent of your threes. And I, I, to be honest, I'm kind of sick of talking about the Lakers. I, I kind of hope we get swept out of the first round so that we don't have to deal with the disappointment anymore. Yeah, me too. Um, on that note, we are not the only one seed to lose today. So that was mm-hmm. cool. You know, at least we have partners in our misery. Um, the Bucks also lost to the Magic, 110 to 122. So, uh, but at least they scored over 100 points. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to really tell what was happening in terms of what the Bucks were doing so poorly that caused them to lose this game because they they just I don't know they just don't look good they they look like this the whole bubble they don't look like that scary frightening team that they did in the regular season or even last year something about them just off I just I just don't buy them. Yeah, I didn't watch much of this game and. I'm based on all the games before that I had watched. I would say you're right. They just kind of look out of sync and they're also not really hitting at a legendary rate like they were during the season. I mean, just looking at the stats for this game, they shot 43% from the field and 64% Mm -hmm. from the line. Like that's not going to cut it. And only 33% from three. So like they didn't shoot well, pretty much from anywhere on the floor. Um, I mean, Giannis is the only person that finished. Yeah. Yeah. uh, No, sorry. Giannis and then a couple of bench guys finished over 50% from the field, but Middleton was four of 12. Brooke was two of nine and over from three. Like Middleton that's not great. Horrible. Middleton. And then yeah. yeah, on the other end, the magic shot lights out. They shot almost 40 and 50 from the field and three. And then shot yeah, they almost went 50, 40, 90 in this game. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, Hey, it was like what we talked about. It was just a team full of veteran guys that have been there before. DJ Augustine was controlling the offense. He didn't put up massive stats besides the 11 assists, but he was making things happen. Vujicic was unstoppable. Uh, Fultz played well. Yeah. I don't know. They just, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch an underdog team full of, you know, no name vets give it to the quote unquote best team in the league. Yeah, I mean Vooch went to town, man. He went for 35 and 14. That's that's a line. Way to go. Mm-hmm. Um he took that empty stats moniker I gave him and shoved it right in my face for this this one. So <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's just some weird voodoo going on with the one seeds and they both just for whatever reason can't put it together in the bubble right now. Mm-hmm. Something to watch going forward for sure. I mean the Buck uh, the Bucks and the Lakers are still my picks to to win these series just because of the amount of talent those two teams have, but it's ugly on offense for both teams right now. Yeah. Yeah. They they got some tweaking to do. We'll see how they yeah. respond on Thursday. All right. Well, we got through the disappointment. So now on to the more exciting stuff. Right? Let's put let's put aside the disappointment. Let's put aside the bad feelings. Cleanse our system here. Because we want to start on the Throwing Up Bricks podcast, a new segment. And we're thinking we want to call this news or nah. Okay, maybe the title needs a little bit of work. But <laughs> basically, <laughs> we want to do a segment where one of us introduces like some sort of uh, recent headline or a game outcome or a big injury or something. Um, and says, is this news or is it nah? Um, and then, you know, the other person will answer what they think it is. Is it news or nah? Um, 
and you know they'll give their answer maybe think it out a little bit talk it out and then uh yeah we'll have a discussion and i think uh that'll be a good organic way to get into topics so how do you feel about that let's do it get a bill let's do it all right all right all right, all right. uh so you wanna you wanna start you wanna pose the first news or nah segment I'm sure I, I got one <clears throat> let's see according to sham sharana um, Sharanya. Sorry, you have to do that when you say Shamsharanya. I'm sorry, I didn't necessary. understand. Gordon Hayward had a grade three right ankle sprain and is expected to miss somewhere around four weeks, depending on how long it takes for the swelling to go down. Is this news or not? <laughs> I like the voice. <laughs> Very news announcer. Um, I'm going to say news absolutely, like 100%. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I, I know they have guys to step up in his absence. Um, I know that Brown and Tatum are the feature of this team and they've got plenty of wingman depth, you know, swing depth. Um, but Gordon is a key part of Boston's rotation and a proven playoff performer. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and four weeks is not an insignificant amount of time. Like that's, even if they get beyond this first series, that would probably extend into the next one. Um, you know, the first couple games, maybe the next one, uh, depending on, you know, how long it goes. Um, so I think that's pretty significant because it, it it reduces that famous Boston depth, which is one of their strongest points, right? Um, and it 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 just reduces the amount of playmaking they have, right? So now so now guys yeah. behind Gordon Hayward like uh, Marcus Smart um, and Kemba, who looked really good um, in limited action, um, but you never know with that knee, um, it forces them to to take on more of a playmaking role, which they're totally competent players and they can do that, but um, for you know, different reasons. Marcus Smart sort of being inconsistent and Kemba being possibly injured. Maybe not. We don't really know. Um, that puts in, you know, that just injects an, an aspect of uh, inconsistency and variability into it for, for Boston that they don't really need, you know. Um, and, and secondary, like if he does come back, you know, when he does come back, what kind of version of Hayward are we getting? You know, are we, mm-hmm. are we getting the Hayward that we had before the injury? You know the the solid contributor that you know you said in previous pods he he recognized he needed to take take a step back um, and just kind of let the young guys advance and so he was like a, a really good role player essentially a souped up role player um, or are we gonna get the Gordon Hayward we got after that initial horrific injury you know that he suffered a couple years ago um, because when he came back from that initially he looked bad and he was more of a net negative than anything um, mm-hmm. and you know. Brad Stevens may still play him, even if he's that version of Gordon Hayward. And that I think that would actually be a drain on them more than anything. That would hurt them um, more than help at that point. So I do think it's it's news uh, for all those reasons I just outlined. Yeah, I, I totally agree. He's when he's healthy and he's and he's playing on this Boston team, he is highly underrated and a huge reason is why they're so successful. He's a glue guy to the highest order, he can do everything. He's a switch army knife. He can play make, he can defend, he can hit shots, he can move the ball. He's really some guy that makes the guys around him better. And even if he's not playing at a star level anymore, uh, especially in the playoffs, it's something you need to advance. So I agree with everything you said. Well, let's hope him a swift recovery and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm good. You agree. Uh, I guess the counterpoint would be that they did beat the Sixers anyways. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Gordon didn't play the whole game. He went, did he go down on the third? I don't remember exactly when he went down. Um, I think so. Yeah. 
but you know they closed it out after that and they went on a pretty big run in the fourth to close it out um and beat beat philly so that's the counterpoint they didn't need him in this one um yeah so i don't know do you have anything else to say i i have a i have a bit of a hot take about the sixers if you want to hear it Oh, of course, any slander of the century. <laughs> you knew we were going to get into them, right? <laughs> Give it to me. All right. Well, here's my hot take. It might. It's early, I know, but I think Joel Embiid cannot be the number one option on a championship team. There, I said it. Ever. Hmm. I think we've seen enough evidence to say that he cannot be the number one guy on a championship team. So the reason I say that is just you kind of saw it in this game. Like in today's day and age, it's really hard for a big man to be your guy. Like when was the last time a championship team had their best player um, as their power forward or center? Right. I mean, do you Dirk, right? Dirk or or Timmy, I guess, maybe depending on which. Even then, Timmy might not have been the best player on that team. Right, right. And that was, so that's what Dirk is six years ago, right? 2014 and Timmy, depending on when you take him. Oh, sorry. I'm mixing the, uh, sorry. 2014 yeah. is the, the last Spurs Timmy game. Was 2014. Oh, last, yeah, yeah. 2014. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's either 2014 or 2011, depending on, you know, how much stock you put in Timmy. Um, so that's, that's, that's a long time. That's almost a decade, man. Um, since the last time we had, you know, a non guard or swing man be the best player on a team. A championship. It was essentially the year the NBA changed because after that yeah. Spurs championship, the dy- the Warriors dynasty rose to prominence and completely changed the landscape of the NBA. So, yeah, so he's got that going against him, and then even more so, he just he doesn't. I feel like he doesn't have the takeover gene in him. Is that crazy to say? Um, I don't know. I I feel like I haven't he never seen really. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess it's possible he can do it from time to time, but I guess when you contrast it, especially now when you contrast it with guys like Dame and the performances he's had in the bubble, and you see how just game after game after game, he just puts his team on his back and delivers down the stretch. And, you know, even if he's not delivering, like even against the Clippers, say, when he missed those two free throws or whatever, he was still a prominent part of that game and a big reason they were in it. And he was taking those shots and getting to the free throw line. And B just kind of disappears. I mean... They had like Shake Milton and Josh Richardson taking shots down the stretch in this one. Tobias Harris forcing yeah. up broken jumpers. Like Embiid was nowhere to be found. Yeah. I mean, some of that is akin to the fact that that's not the way teams are playing now. And it was like, look, you got to get the ball to your big man, but that requires you to do that on a regular basis to know how to space yourself. And they just don't do it. There's no posting right. up possession and possession and possession. And then when you are in this new age of basketball and guys hit a couple threes like the Celtics did, you can't go to your big man to get your bucket. You need a three. You can't be trading buckets threes for two. So then, yes, they go to their other guys to shoot threes. And it's, I agree with you, especially in this day and age, he can't be the best player. He can be like an Anthony Davis LeBron thing where they're, you know, comparable, but I don't think he can be your best guy. And then you have a bunch of guys below him. He's in a different era and he, he plays like he's in a different era. Yeah, he does. So that's good. Sounds like I convinced you then. <laughs> yeah. Any, any six or slander I'm, I'm likely to get on board with, yeah, unless it's about true. Dr. J. I was preaching to the choir a bit there, huh? <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Um, I have another news or nah segment. If, if we want to get back to that. 
Let me hear it. All right. I'm going to use my, my cool announcer voice now. Oh, boy. <clears throat> okay. Uh, according to Rockets coach Mike D'Antoni, Russell Westbrook quad is still healing, but there is no official timetable for his return. Is this news or nah? Well, let me tell you, Jared, there, there's uh, two ways to look at this. There's two schools of thinking. And I think it's nows. That's what I think it is. I think it's nows. Because nows. on one hand, uh, not having your second best player is a big deal, especially when he's key to how you're playing this year with getting in the paint and hitting threes. But on the other hand, I don't think the Rockets need him right now. I think the Rockets need him to recover. And I think they can win this series pretty handily without him. They shut down OKC, essentially. They played some they fantastic defense. Especially down the stretch, um, it was it was surprising to say the least that they've gone all in on the small ball, and it hasn't hurt them defensively at all. Because guess what? That's not how the NBA works. You're not getting beat by big men posting up in the paint, so you can afford to be small. Stephen Adams isn't an offensive threat. He's not going to give you buckets like that. So I was pleasantly surprised by how the Rockets played. Uh, but I don't think either way it matters if Westbrook is back in the series. Just that he comes back 100% healthy with no chance of re-injury. I'm, I got to be honest. I'm disappointed, but I'm kind of with you. I mean, after seeing that game, maybe it's an overreaction mm-hmm. after one game. But Steven Adams was able to get whatever he wanted, and it really didn't matter. Yeah. Because you're no. trading twos for threes, right? I mean, the Rockets put up 52 threes in this one. They shot 52 threes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That was they more than half of their three their shots were threes. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what they do on a nightly basis, and they made thirty eight percent of them here. So like, that's a lot. You're you know you're getting sixty points on only twenty shots there. Like, that's a, that's some high peak efficiency there. So, uh, and we talked about it before the series, right? We talked about one of the keys being that the uh, the Thunder really don't like shooting threes, right? They're not built that way. Yeah. They're not built to run uh-huh. and gun and shoot threes and keep up with high octane offenses in that way. Um, and it showed it in this one. I mean, the Rockets put up 52 threes. The Thunder put up only 35 of them. Um, yeah. well, I say only, which, you know, I guess for this era, it's only, but <laughs> you go back yeah. 15 years, that's a ton. Um, but yeah, they only put up 35 of them. So, I mean, they shot a good percentage, th- shot 37%, but it doesn't really matter, I guess, when, when the Rockets are just pouring them in yeah, like that. Yeah, they could keep them. up. It's That's the thing about the Rockets is why I don't think they'll ever win a championship is because they're so volatile. When they play yep. like this, they can beat anybody. They could even beat that uh, one of those Warriors teams potentially, you know? But then in a seven-game series, you're not going to play like that every game, and you're going to have to rely on getting stops consistently in crunch time and – you're scoring from Harden, which can sometimes fall off the wayside. So when they look good like this, they look amazing. But like you said, let's not overreact. But in this case, I think they'll be able to handily beat the OKC Thunder without Westbrook. Yep. My Thunder pick is not looking great in this series after one game. Let's leave it at that. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh So do you want to move on to another one of these games? I mean, we have, geez, we had... What eight games already? So we had everybody played once. Um, what's what's a great one to talk about? Probably the Jazz game, think, right? If we yeah, want to talk about that's what that. I was going to say. All right. The double overtime or the overtime game. What you got to say about Dono? I mean, 
he has played fantastic this entire bubble at times, especially on the offensive end. But dude is looking like he's taking that next step. I think he is officially entering that superstar conversation. I I, I got to say I agree with you. Although, counterpoint, what does it say about the Jazz that they get 57 from Mitchell? 57, which, by the way, for the listeners, is the third most that any player has ever put up in a playoff game behind MJ yeah. and Elgin Baylor. Uh-huh. So he's in rarefied air right there, right? He put up 57. They still lost by 10. Yeah. So what does that say? It says that he is taking all the shots down the stretch of a game and getting no help from knockdown shooters in the overtime game. Like you go to overtime, you lose by 10. What that tells me is in five minutes of action, you weren't able to score at a high enough clip to win that game. So yeah. it worries me that they're missing Bogdanovich because that's huge. And it worries me that they don't have a lot of knockdown shooters around them, or at least that are playing like knockdown shooters. Joe played pretty well. He hit a few threes. But the guys that were filling in for injuries, O'Neal and Morgan, were pretty much almost laid goose eggs in this game. They only hit one shot each. So I don't know. I think the Jazz need more help. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm having deja vu. And we're back in like week one of the bubble, and we're talking about the very first Jazz game because this is the exact same conversation we had, right? Like mm-hmm. Donald needs help. <laughs> yeah, they really exactly. miss Bogdanovich. <laughs> they have no shooting. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're right back to the same points we made two weeks ago. Um, yeah. Like, and I guess it's that simple with the Jazz. Like Donovan Mitchell can be amazing all he wants, but like he can't do everything. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody really can do everything. Um, and yeah, he just didn't get enough support. I mean, the Jazz didn't shoot amazing as a team. It was really Dono going off because as a team, they only shot 47% from the field, which is fine. And only 34% from three, which is not great. Um, meanwhile, the Nuggets shot 51 from the field as a team and 53% from three as a team. 53%. Yeah. So they were right it's, in the back. Yeah, it's hard to beat that. And I think I've been a little down on the Nuggets. Uh, saying that I don't believe in him, but they're kind of shutting me up now, especially since Jamal Murray's return. He's he's played fantastic, and they just they look like a three star team now. You know, they look like uh, uh, two high quality star players in Jokic and Murray, and a rising star in Porter. It's it's kind of fascinating to watch it all happen in these eight games. Yeah, well, like we said, you know, before this series, Murray is their barometer, right? As he goes, they go generally. And uh-huh. he blew up in this one. And, and guess what? They won. So <laughs> um, it's good to see him back playing because they they need his attitude, man. They need his fire at the point there because he was he was unafraid. He saw Dono going off on the other side and he was like, I can do that. I got you. Another Yeah, another <laughs> point on that is when he plays like that, he elevates Jokic's game. Oh, I've yeah. never seen a game where Murray has played extremely well and Jokic hasn't been more aggressive. He feeds off that. Oh yeah, he definitely does. They have this like weird, they, I don't want to say weird. That's not the right word. They have an awesome chemistry with each other where it's just like a a weird mind meld. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, they just feed off each other's energy and performances. And yeah, it's great to watch. Um, I mean, the Nuggets, let's just not talk about this. Let's not just talk about the stars, right? I mean, they got big contributions from Jeremy Grant off the bench. He gave them nice. He's getting paid this summer. Oh, he's getting paid. Just like my boy, Freddie V you know, uh, mm-hmm. the Raptors. We'll, we'll talk about him in a minute, but yeah, he's, he's getting paid. You're right. Um, 
Amate Morris gave him good minutes off the bench. He went six of nine from the field. Um, he can get hot. Yeah, he can get hot. And even though Michael Porter, Michael Porter started a little silky smooth here in this one, but he, yeah. he struggled as the game went on. I yeah, he didn't play great. Yeah, they put Royce O'Neal on him, um, and he he did a good job of shutting him down. The problem is Royce O'Neal doesn't give you anything on the other end, right? Like mm-hmm. Royce O'Neal went one of six from the field in this one yeah. for, for three points. So like it doesn't really matter if he's shutting down Michael Porter Jr. I mean, they have guys like Jokic and Murray to take up the slack. So <laughs> um yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm pretty happy about this one. Uh not because I hate the jazz or anything. Um just because I picked the nuggets. <laughs> and I've been high on the yeah. nuggets and they've been my dark horse for a while. So I'm I'm glad to see a bear fruit here. And the thing about the nuggets you have to remember is they're down two starters. Yep. Still. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Harris will ever be back. I feel like that dude might just be done for the league almost. It's kind of sad to think about, but he's been on a downward trend for years. It feels like. Um, uh, and Will Barton's good, but he, you know he's been injured a lot lately too, and that's not new for his career. So um, he needs to get back on the floor. Um, but yeah, they're missing both those guys who are, if any, if nothing else, like they just soak up huge minutes. Um, on that team and they you know and they they provide good defense um and a little mm. bit of ball handling that but you know these nuggets are deep we've always said that they had to trade away a bunch of players this season because they just had so many good guys that they couldn't fit in the rotation um uh so yeah uh it's showing here you know their depth is really showing out for them so good for the nugs good for the nugs um another game i really wanted to hit on because i thought it was awesome uh, and I also have a lot to say about refereeing. I know nobody likes talking about the refs, but uh, don't worry. I'll just land based them in this one. So um, I was wanted to talk about the Mavericks versus the Clippers. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was both excited by how fun this game was and also extremely disappointed uh, about the refs. So why don't you start off? Yeah, so the Clips took this one, 118 to 110. And before I start, you know, dissing on the refs and complaining and all that stuff, um, I want to say that I acknowledge that the Clippers probably deserve to win this one. You know, I mean, they played really yeah. well. I'm not I'm not taking anything away from great. the Clips. And that's kind of my point. Like, if the refs are going to fix the game this way, they need to be a little more subtle about it. Um, because the Clips don't need their help that much. You don't have to be that obvious when you're cheating. Um, <laughs> I'm saying this little tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> yeah, I think they were like, don't eject Luca. That's too obvious. Let's go yeah. for Porzingis. Let's go for Porzingis. Yeah. Oh my God. So if, if listeners aren't aware of what we're talking about, so during the Mavericks Clippers game, um Luca Doncic did not get ejected, like Jake said. Chris S. Porzingis did get ejected because they called a really wimpy, questionable technical on him early in the game, where he demonstrably was angry at a call and walked towards half court with his hands thrown up in the air, and they called it technical. Um, which by the way, in the third quarter, Kawhi did the same motion with his hands whilst running towards a referee in a menacing mm-hmm. manner, not yep. technical. Um, so that's consistency. Great. Um, and then the second technical he got was for coming to Luca's defense when he and, uh, Morris were exchanging words after a foul that Dutchess didn't like. Um, so by letter of the law, I guess technically that technical technically technically that second technical um is correct um because he did come in not as a peacemaker but as an instigator you know he kind of escalated the situation although the the situation didn't escalate to anything it was like a bunch of guys exchanging words in a huddle and then that was it so like 
I don't know, man. They they gave him two bogus technicals, and then he gets kicked out of this, his first you know playoff game in a really long since I guess when he paired up with Melo way 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 back then. Actually, did he He's even never play? He hadn't played yeah. any. Oh, huh? this was his no. debut, just like Lucas. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they kicked the poor guy, the poor kid, out of his debut playoff game because he got angry at a call, which literally every player on the court was doing all game long, and because he came to his teammates' defense, which you know, I don't even. Whatever, whatever, whatever. The refs suck. Um, they were very one-sided in this game. I think Clippers fans can even acknowledge that. Um, they kicked out a guy, and then the, the full first quarter like was just, go ahead, you can hack Luca all you want. We'll never blow our whistles. We kind of forgot where they are. Oh, they're hanging out on our necks. Oops, I didn't know that. Um, so, yeah, the refs were garbage in this one. Um, they've been really bad. In, in, in my opinion, they've been bad all bubble. I haven't brought it up a lot because... I don't think it decided a lot of games, but it's just been frustrating to watch the officials be so inconsistent and horrible. Um, uh, and I, I guess it's from some perspective, it's understandable because they were off just like the players and they can't practice in a gym by themselves refing, you know, giant, fast, athletic human beings. Um, there's no simulation for that. Like there is for going in the, going in your garage or going in your, in your court and practicing uh, your shots. But, Whatever, man. I, I just hate when the refs make it all about them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when a few calls can decide the outcome of a game. That's that's always a problem, uh, especially during the playoffs. I if by the books that second technical, all right, tech, you know, by the book that should be a technical because he retaliated in some way and used physical force. But number one. That's his. That was his second, and it's pretty soft for a second technical. And number two, right? that first technical was absurd. He, it's yeah, the classic calamity. thing where guys that do it all the time get away with it, but if you don't do it often and you do it, you immediately get hit with a technical, which Great I point. think is just the refs interjecting their personal relationship with players. They should treat every player the same. Obviously, stars are going to get star calls and stuff like that, but when it comes to technicals, if guys are like Allen Iverson or even LeBron James and stuff like that, it's the Draymond Green philosophy, right? Yeah, exactly. Where Draymond it's, is in the ref's face, literally every play, yelling at them, and so Duncan like used to do that. it's hard to escalate it from there, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so it's really hard to know when to give that guy because Draymond probably deserves like I don't know sixty technicals in a season. Probably he goes off on the refs every game, like ridiculous amounts. And then if yeah, they the call, first time done, yeah, yeah, whatever. If they call technicals on Draymond like they called that technical on Porzingis, he would be ejected every game. Draymond would never play. It's, He'd be suspended every other game. I mean, I don't think KP has a history of yelling at the refs on a consistent basis, but I don't know. I just think in a playoff game, especially in a game one, where the, the momentum of the entire series can be decided, I don't think that that's a time and place to give somebody a weak technical like that. It is, and it's really sad because it just detracts from what was a, otherwise a great game. Yeah. I mean, you had Luca in his very first playoff game going head to head with two all-time greats in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know, and and taking it to him. I mean, he was unafraid of Kawhi on the stretch. He would go inside every play if they let him. Yeah. You know, um, he went for f- forty-two points in this one, forty-two seven and nine. Luca did in his playoff debut. I mean, it was a great game, and Kawhi on the other side was classic Kawhi, man. Like super quiet, piles up twenty-nine points. Like, does anybody pile up a quieter like point total than him? Maybe LeBron, maybe. Um, yeah. But like, 
you just look up and you're like, I don't really haven't noticed Kawhi. And then you look up and he has 28 points or 29 points. And you're like, oh my God, when did that happen? Um, yeah. And Paul George was his smooth self too. He poured in a cool 27. Um, Lou was great for them off the bench. Marcus Morris gave him a great game. Zubats was awesome. I love Zub. Shout out to my boy. Um, it was a great game back and forth. It was just the refs, like, I don't know. They felt the need to insert their own egos into this game, and that sucks. I don't think I've made a we've made a prediction officially about who's gonna win it. Um, but I I know it's early, but I think the Clippers are gonna win it this year. Win it all. And I hate yeah. to say it. The Clipper curse could come to bite him in the butt, but I just I was watching that game. And I've seen so many times I couldn't put my finger on exactly what it feels like. But when you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, which I'm noticing more and more, they're extremely similar players. They're both elite defensively. They're both elite in the mid-range, knockdown three-point shooters, big in size and can get to the basket and can handle the ball. Kawhi may be slightly better than Paul George, but they're extremely similar players. And when you have two of those guys that are at that elite level that are top 10 players when healthy, that play the same way, that are almost unguardable and can lock down any star player in the league, with the depth around that team, uh, they just look they look unbeatable to me in a seven-game series the way the Lakers have not, the way the Bucks have not. I don't know. Something about them just scares the hell out of me. You hit it on the head, man. Their interchangeability is just insane. Like having two elite players like that, that you can just sub one in for the other and have basically the same offense running, the same defense running, the same assignments and everything. That's insane. Um, I mean, have we seen a tandem this good since MJ and Pippen? Maybe like, or maybe, maybe clay and KD. Maybe I, I, other than that, I, I, I think really that's the last time we saw it on the wing is from yeah. Clay and KD. I would agree. Yeah. Cause it, it's dangerous, man. Those two guys are dangerous. You're right. And they look like the most complete team. So unless the Raptors are going to defend their title, I think it's looking like a Clippers favorite here. Yeah. It's very early, but they are scary and they, they seem to turn it on when it actually matters. And that's yeah, the, that's they can. the part. They have a yeah. switch, which all good teams have, all all great championship teams have, right? They they can yep. flip a switch, uh-huh. um, and and they've shown that. <laughs> um, but kudos to the Mavs, man. They fought. They didn't give up even after KP went down. So like, kudos yeah. to them. They fought they, and clawed in this one. They've shown why they're a historic, excuse me, an historically great offense. They just Luca is able to create great looks for people, and they've got guys that'll hit it. It's they're fun. That this was a this is going to be a great series, even if it's over it four games. I think every game is going to be a fantastic watch. We're going to have great individual performances. It's going to be great to watch that battle of Luca versus those two guys every game. It's going to be great. Um, so when I, I mentioned the Raptors um, as a, another possible title favorite, because they looked great, they did not look like the Raptors of old. You called it, Jake. I, you, they broke their Raptor curse. It seems like because they did not drop the game one this time. They beat the Nets. They beat down the nets 134 to 110 they they just look like they're on a mission they look like they're not going to let anybody get in the way of repeating they look like a a championship uh, style veteran team that i haven't seen since the 17 warriors yeah yeah they're just together and professional and like they just show up when they need to and my boy Freddie Van Vliet is going to get paid in this offseason. <laughs> Dude it's went for 30 and 11. 
<laughs> An eight of ten shooting from three. Oh, that man's gonna get paid. It'll be interesting to see who pays him. You know, because I'm yeah. sure the Knicks are gonna give him a max offer because that's what they do. They just give everybody max offers. But in this case, he might be worth it. Honestly, um, is he the fart runner for Finals MVP? You know, am I getting too ahead of myself, Freddie? Is he actually gonna get it? <laughs> Maybe. It depends on who's they're playing. But the thing about the Raptors is they have, yes, you got CJ and Dame, uh, who may be the best pack court in the league, but I don't think Kyle Lowry and Van Fleet are too far behind them. They're elite defensively, and they've both yeah. shown that they can expose people on the offensive end, especially Lowry with his playmaking and bully ball and Van Fleet with his shooting. It's their, uh, I, I agree. Their defensive chops, like even that, that in terms of mm-hmm. comparing them to like, Dame and CJ, right? Because defensively, those two are studs. Um, and then on offense, they just have a they have a very similar to Murray and Jokic kind of mind meld with each other, where they they always yeah. know the other one's going to be in the right place in the right time. Um, they're yeah. great to watch, man. I'm, I'm really happy for Toronto fans because you got a great team there for for probably a lot of years to come, especially if you re-sign Freddie. Yeah, very very good point. Um, and, and you know we're not dissing the Nets; they're just they just don't have guys. You know they're missing no, guys. They're missing their um, yeah. They're missing possibly their four best players. Yeah, and the Raptors just match up really well against Karis, right? Like Lavert just has yeah. nowhere to go. There are so many rangy, long defenders from OG to Pascal to you can throw Freddie on them. Um, you can throw Ibaka on them. You can throw Norm on them. Like Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Chris Boucher, maybe for some amount of time. Like they just have so many rangy defenders that they can throw in waves at a guy like Karis, who is basically the only offensive engine for the nets and it's too much it's just too much they're they're overmatched in this one yeah and they they're kind of taking away joe harris um he's been really effective in the bubble but i think in this series you're going to see him not put up great numbers because they're so good defensively they know how to shut down a shooter yeah yeah i agree um because joe harris really operates best when the play breaks down or when the the defensive focus is elsewhere right and joe had a decent game he went for 19 yeah. and six. So like, yeah, yeah, he played well. It wasn't too bad, but if you're relying on Joe Harris to carry your team offensively, like that's, that's not what he's supposed to be doing. That's he's, mm-hmm. he's supposed to be almost Joe Ingles esque, right? Except, you know, a better shooter. Like he's supposed to be just, you know, a glue basically. He's supposed to be glue and, you know, yeah. and, and your floor spacing option. And then maybe a tiny bit of playmaking when, when the play breaks down, but yeah, the nets are just, you know, it's it's asking too much for for them to really put any sort of real scare into the Raptors, um, which is fine. You know, they they did really well in the bubble to overtake the the Magic for the seven seed, and and they're you know they're a great story. We'll see what their real team looks like next year with KD and Kyrie, right? So, and DeAndre and Spencer Dinwiddie, right, right, all the guys they're missing, which is insane when you really count them all up there. Yeah, um, we we didn't really talk about Boston outside of the the Gordon Hayward injury. Do you yeah. have anything to add? Um, I mean, they did. They beat Philly one hundred nine to one hundred one, and it was I mean, it's kind of the Tatum show, right? Yeah, and Brown, just, and Brown. Yeah, they're they're just I don't know this. They're I don't think they're quite title contenders, but they're right on the cusp. They're they're just so talented. They have they're so deep. They have so many guys that could go off. Uh, it's scary to know how young they are. Their core, the, the those two wing guys who could be putting up a fight for best, you know, wing duo in the NBA next year. Oh, up yep. there with Kawhi and Paul George and They totally could be. Kemba finding his rhythm, his knees feeling better. 
a big man like Tice who can stretch the four and hit threes. Williams has been playing a lot better. Uh, he, he's actually really moved into that rotation. I don't know. They 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 are a potential threat to the Raptors and the Bucks. I think they they they're legit. I think so too, especially the Bucks looking how bad they've looked. Right. Um, I think uh, I definitely think the Raptors and Boston are closing the gap between them and Milwaukee. Um, so if I was a Bucks fan, I'd be I'd be pretty scared. <laughs> and and happy that only one of those two teams is going to have to face me in the conference finals, probably. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we we worked our way through most of it. We have one game left: the Heat versus the Pacers. the The Heat took this one, one thirteen to one hundred one. Um, what do you have to say about the that matchup? I just think it was classic Heat. They had uh, it's always two guys that are going to have really good games and lead the way. And that, yep. that was Jimmy Butler and Gordon Drogic this game, with Bam also playing extremely well. But they've just got so many weapons, and they're, uh, they that multitude of weapons provides a type of consistency you don't see in a lot of teams, where you can have certain guys not in the spotlight and other guys take over and, and lead the way. It's, it's a very uh, – they're like that classic Bruce Lee quote. They, they're like water. They just flow with the game, and they play through who is having – the night, you know, they do. They have a very much feed the hot hand mentality. Uh, yeah. it, it works for them, right? Uh, at least it, it will so far because they haven't run up against a team in the Pacers that has better top end talent. Like the the Heat yeah, definitely have the true. edge there in this series. So we'll see what they look like in a series against maybe a, a Boston or a Bucks or a you know whatever. Um, see how far they get, right? But that it'll probably be a different story in that. But in this series, I agree. I think the Pacers did a really good job early on. And Miami just hung in there, sort of weathered the storm, and then, and then took it back in the end of the second, beginning of the third, um, and then just never looked back. You know, they took control and they just cruised it out. Um, because the Pacers didn't play all that badly, you know. I mean, no. TJ went for twenty-two on efficient shooting. Yeah. Um, Brogdon went for twenty-two on not as efficient shooting. Really, he was cold from three, but he got to the line ten times. I think really, really stands out is that. Um, TJ didn't get to the line at all. He had zero yeah. free throw attempts in this one. And that in yeah. throughout the bubble, that's what he had been doing more so than he normally does, you know, throughout his career. He had been getting to the line um and, and getting a lot of free points that way. And to have zero free throws, that really hurts your your scoring output, right? And and they just don't have enough scoring behind those two guys right now. I no, mean, Oladipo went missed, out early missed. in this one. He got his eye poked. Um yep. I think a cornea stretch. So we'll we'll see how long it takes him to recover from that if he's back or not in the next game. Um, that looks scary, but he only played nine minutes in this one. So without yeah. Oladipo, they're really thin. Yeah. And on top of that, they're missing Sabonis who really makes them a dangerous team when they yeah. have that option to go inside, to play inside out instead of having to rely on Brogdon and TJ to create their own shots like that. It makes them well, a completely different team. So this isn't the pace or team that they want to be. Uh, they they're playing with the, you know, the hand they're dealt, but I don't think the series is over. I think that they still have a chance to, to give Miami a run for their money. They certainly do. They have a chance, but uh, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with my, my Miami pick in this one. Uh, I think you will too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It was a fun game regardless. So a um, lot of good games, really. I mean, the only, was, the yeah. only bad games were the weirdly, the, you know, the blowout that the Raptors put down, you know, the beatdown they put down on the nets. So that's no surprise, but, and weirdly the magic versus the bucks game. Cause the magic kind of throttled them. 
Um, yeah, they, they were in control pretty much the whole game. Yeah. Um, so that was weird to watch. And yeah, but yeah, the rest of the game was really close down to the wire. I mean, the Jazz Nuggets series went to, or the Nuggets game um, went to OT. Don't so retire. that was cool. Um, yeah. So a lot of games, whew, a lot of games to cover. Oh my God. We are almost 50 minutes in here. Um, so yeah, just to recap, Portland leads the Lakers 1 0. Orlando leads Milwaukee 1 0. Miami leads Indy 1 0. Uh, Houston got the better of OKC, so they're in the lead 1 0. Um, Denver's up on Utah 1 0. Uh, Toronto took the series lead over Brooklyn. Boston took the game on Philly, and the Clippers took the refs with the refs' assistance uh, took the game over Dallas. So um, that's where yeah. we're sitting right now. Yeah, the Clippers have picked up a lot of uh, good midseason acquisitions, but I think the refs have been by far the best one so far. Oh yeah, yeah, great pickup. Wonder how much they're paying them. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, whew, that was tough, man. I. I I think going forward, we're going to have to winnow down our topics here because it's a marathon, I think. We're going to have to pace yeah. ourselves. <laughs> yeah, especially this first round. I think we got a little too excited about touching on everything. I got very uh, excited. On Thursday, we'll be a little more planned out and, and be a little more concise. It's playoff basketball. You have to be excited, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's great. Um, but yeah, yeah. we got, And I think you know, doing this right after the Lakers game and we were all fired up and angry, That's uh, that definitely fed into it. Um, exactly. <laughs> we had to get our emotions out. Um, but yeah, so uh, we went through them all. That was fun. Uh, I don't think we really have time for any fun stuff, but uh, we are thinking of fun ideas for pods, um, not just basketball related. So like I said last podcast, I know we haven't posted any, but keep an eye out for those. Um, we may even do some some cool look back, some highlight series on certain years of the NBA. Um, Jake's leading the charge on that one. Um, other than that, I think we'll just uh, we'll see you guys again on Thursday night. Thanks for sticking with us through this initial round of the or the first games here of the first round of the playoffs in the bubble. Mm, get a boo. Uh, get a boo from Jake and peace from me. See ya. <laughs>